0: Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize you neighborhood.
1: Stupid, but it is halloween and i am bushy with me as always my brother from another mother metal mike how you doing dude was that kind of like a crypt
2: keeper kind of um impression there from tales from the crypt kind what, of thing going on
1: there uh, it, what it, it's, it sounded like It's what it
2: reminded me of
1: it's a ripoff of that and um of course d snyder and, um,
2: oh, of course! Strange Land, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Strange Land. Yeah. It was
1: absolutely yeah. horrible, but this is our Halloween episode. I will be releasing it this week, so I was like, "Hey, let's do something stupid because, you know, scary movies are stupid, and I I'm not a Halloween fan." So. Oh, um, I love Halloween. See, I I, I like the silly shit.
2: I, I, I love – Halloween is one of my favorite holidays, man. It You know, when I was little, it was that. and Well, really, the whole autumn to win – like, I loved – I mean, to me, it's a merry think a You know what I mean? Like, I love that time of year, like, you know, because you had – you know, especially as a kid, you had Halloween. And then you had Thanksgiving, you know, and then, you know, Christmas. So, yeah, man, you know, well, sure it was is. always – it's kind of more sad to me now because a lot of the people I spent Christmas with are no longer with me. Oh, I, uh, I, but, I feel you know, that. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's not as um, a joyous time of year as it used to be, unfortunately, for
1: me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel that. Halloween, to me, has always been kind of meh. You know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, I'm not a big horror film buff, uh, but I will watch. But, you know, growing up as a kid, it was always you know, fun, dress up and, you know, go out there and trick or treat. But once I got to an age where that wasn't fun for me anymore, uh, I'm not the guy that dresses up. I have to be forced to dress up.
2: Oh, really? Now, see, my my co-host in the Metal Mike show, my buddy... my my little literally a little brother from another mother bildo he loves dressing up man halloween is like a like because well a lot of us will go to we'll go to we'll go to costume parties we've got a lot of friends that you know and and just get completely smashed and 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 bill i gotta give him credit he's always very creative with the costumes and the shit he comes up with man and uh sometimes i'll dress up Sometimes I don't. In fact, I remember there would be a few times I'd get off work and go, and they go, well, what the fuck are you supposed to be? And I'd be like, a disgruntled nurse. And they just laugh their ass off, you know, like, you know, sorry. Sometimes I dress up, sometimes I don't. But I do like Halloween, you know. I just love this time of year anyway when the leaves turn color and the weather gets kind of brisk and yeah. shit. I just, you know, and I guess maybe it's because I was born this time of year. I don't know, man. I just, I really like, I, autumn and spring are my, like, favorite seasons,
1: I could have summer year-round, and I would be okay.
2: Really? I don't mind summer, but where I live, it's like living in Satan's taint because of the humidity, and I fucking hate humidity. (laughs) You know, I fucking can't stand it, you know? And that's one thing, even in in Nashville, there's humidity there, too, and I I know this because I remember when I first met Brian Davis from, um, of course, the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast, and one of our fellow DJs at that metalstation.com plug, plug. And uh, he was just freaking out over the humidity because he lives in Cali, dude. He's just not used to humidity at all. Right. I mean, they're used to heat, but not humidity, you know, where he's at because he lives in the Bay Area. So, you know, he was just like, dude, this fucking humidity is brutal. I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm used to this shit. I don't like it, but I'm used to it.
1: You yeah, know? see, I don't think Nashville has been too bad when I've mm-hmm. been there. Uh there's other places out in the south man, are ridiculous. Yeah, in
2: 2018, man, the humidity. Because, pardon Ian, I helped him put his. Uh, um, Vin, vinnie vincent makeup on which i'm like why'd you pick me dude i'm not the artist in this group of you know you know but he he asked me to so i did my best and it was just fucking poor guy man we couldn't fucking find exactly where the place was because it was within walking distance we're like walking around we got ralph and ian ian's wearing a dress <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking around the heat i'm filming them like ralph's like hey dude can you can you film us? And I was like, sure. You know, so he gave me the camera and I filmed him and uh poor Ian, man, his, his face was just melting. Right. Like the wit, the wicked witch of the East, you know, he had to come back inside and cool off. And we had to kind of reapply his makeup again, but it, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of
1: fun. Yeah. That's, that's the one I missed. Unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what was weird with you and me is we would miss every other one. It almost seemed like, seemed you know, like, like yeah. yeah, not anymore though. God damn it.
1: Oh hell no! You've you've come to the dark side. Being a podcaster is a good time there, just because you get to uh, actually sit down with the celebrities for a little while, as opposed to mm-hmm. hey, thanks, how you doing? Here's twenty bucks. Can I get an autograph? You know and right, right. You know, yeah. get a quick picture. You know, being able to talk to them is is a much bigger deal for me. You know, yeah. I've
2: got to be honest, I had a blast both times, though. I had an... Abs- it, and it was kind of cool to be able to say I've done both. You, right. You know what I mean? But yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm going to go as a podcaster from now
1: on. I'm oh, hell yeah. On out. Yeah. All right. I've got your ass. <laughs> yeah, Halloween. I mean, it's fun for the kiddies. I know there's a lot of adults to get into it. There's been a lot of good music of a Halloween theme. Of course, you have your scary movies. You get to go out to your haunted houses. You know, Yeah. All of a sudden... You know, there's more chocolate in the damn grocery store than you have ever seen in your life, up until New Year's Day. <laughs>
2: right, right, right.
1: Well, I used to, like I said, I liked it as a kid. Now in northern New York, fuck, dressing up almost was a waste of time because of how cold it was most of the time. I've trick or treated in the snow. <laughs> damn heavy ass coat and shit over your costume but you know we used to do the scary movie things now I will say I'm a fan of like the old monster type movies you know the like original Universal Universal yeah, Universal. yeah. Do yeah. You Bela Lugosi like ha- as Dracula
2: what, what do you think of the Hammer horror
1: movies uh, you Was would Christopher have to tell
2: Dracula and
1: yeah, no, those those no. are pretty cool I, have you ever watched them yeah, but the, yeah I think they were okay They start, after a while, they just get so silly to me, you know, and uh, I don't know that horror films could have been any sillier than in the eighties. I mean, Ah. what's your thought on that?
2: Well, I mean, it's like with any, I I feel about horror films the way I do about any genre of filmmaking, you know, Um, there's some great ones. Uh, There's also a lot of schlock though, like literally, especially with horror movies, especially in the eighties, man, because once video cassettes became a thing, they just, because it, it's it's like, I like horror, but I mean, it's weird with me because obviously uh, I'm a fucking nerd, so I love science fiction and fantasy and horror and all that stuff. You know, right. like, it, you know, sometimes it intermingles, like a, a film like Alien to me is a perfect example of a mixture of science fiction and horror sure. or suspense, you know. Um, but, you know, you have your great movies, but you also have a lot of, and, and, and like, Kane, my nephew, always complains. He's like, you know, you got what he calls cheap scares or easy scares. Where, to him, the really scary movies are the ones that are, um, you know, it, he Kane's very picky about his horror. It, it's got to have a certain level of intelligence. It's got to be, it's got to be good, man. And he, he don't like the fucking like like he likes the first Saw, but after that, he's like fuck the sequels, which well, i, I kind of that.
1: Yeah, you know. I agree. That one's a psychological thriller. It was great. Um, yeah. I, I still, to this day, I actually watched this with my sister while I was up in Virginia for my dad's funeral. Uh, she had the wild hair up her ass about watching The Exorcist.
0: Oh, um, because yeah. Because
1: she knows that for me, I think that's the most terrifying movie ever made. It is. And, uh, yeah,
2: my number one horror
1: film. Oh, yeah. It's it, it's exorcism. horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently by me saying it, it's horrifying, she thinks I'm going to be like bitch scared. Well, that's not the case. Well, they were watching it on a you know a four K LED TV where it looks more like you're watching a play mm-hmm. than a uh, than a movie with those LED TVs. It's, mm-hmm. it's just such a three dimensional look to everything, and it's so crisp. Yes, I had no, never right? really noticed the makeup on the old guy priest before, but you could really tell they had just sprayed his hair. It wasn't an old guy at all. You know the makeup. Right. In, in, in such high definition. But let me tell you what, even though you could see that, and some of the stuff looked kind of ridiculous, still the most terrifying fucking thing I've ever watched.
2: <laughs> and and here's the thing also, I think that's that's the one thing about HD TVs, and especially these LED, these really, really super high-def TVs, I've noticed sometimes older, it doesn't really do the justice to the older films, because like you said, for years I watched The Exorcist and, as a kid I used to think, man, does that guy live you know like I didn't realise Max von Sydow was as young as he was when he made that film because whoever I think did the makeup, he kinda ended up looking that way when he did become an old ass man. And right. by the time I was watching him, he was an old ass man. So it was kinda like, Whoa, this dude it's kind of like the tall man in Phantasm. Does that guy ever age? I mean, <laughs> holy shit, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, so um no I mean, to me, The Exorcist is still just, I mean, and and this was before CGI. This was before, and I remember the first time I watched it, you know, I had no, I I watched it at way too young of an age. I hadn't, you know, I I said this on Brian Davis's podcast. I had no damn business watching this film. I was spending the night with my grandmother who lived, you know, in a town over from me, and, and that town happened to have cable. Where I lived was a very rural area. We didn't get cable until, like, when I was in junior high, which was like the mid '80s, Right, right. You uh, so my grandma though, she had she had cable in the '70s, and I remember one night I spent in the night, and they'd advertise. I believe it was on Showtime, The Exorcist. Nope, HBO. And, and, was it HBO? It Might have yeah. been HBO. I can't remember. She had both Showtime and Exorcist, and I just rem- or I mean HBO. And I just remember, Ooh, you know, and, and I'd heard all these things and, oh, you can't watch my mom. You can't watch this movie, you know? And so I watch it and it fucking scared the living fuck out of me. And I didn't get a a wink of sleep that night. I literally remember, but it was like a train wreck. I couldn't stop watching it, you know? And grandma was asleep, man. So
1: yeah, that movie
2: fucking freaked me out. Well, it's funny,
1: man. I got to tell you, uh, Cause we all know we both discussed it on this program. I'm not a religious guy, and uh, the more things like what went down the last few weeks and months, uh, more shit like that happens, even the less you know, I have that much less faith in anything out there. But for whatever reason, it must be growing up in the church. Devil movies scare the fuck out of me. They always have. Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, The Exorcist. You know, those things, they're scary, if you ask me. The rest of them, it it just kind of depends on, you know, like Saw, the first one. It's psychological. That kind of stuff is always creepy, you know, psychological Mm -hmm. thrillers. The 80s, it wasn't about all that. It was more about the slasher film.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and, like, and I think that just got really played the fuck out. Like for me, man, I'm more of a supernatural horror things. You know, vampires, werewolves, ghost stories, demon, you know, demonic shit. Right. And I and I'm with you. I don't really believe in any of that. But I think the thing that scares me about it is the idea of somebody taking control of you right. and you not being able. It, it, that's a scary fucking thing, man. Sure. And, and my grandma used to always tell me, Mike. My, my grandma didn't go for that boogie and shit. Right, interestingly enough, yeah, you know, <laughs> because we're going to be talking about grandmas here in a bit. but In a little bit, but,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, uh, my grandma, man, she was fucking hardcore. She'd be like, well, if you're bad, the devil's going to get you.
1: Yeah, Because I remember us. one
2: time I said, I was like, oh, the boogeyman. She's like, fuck the boogeyman. You know, more or less, like, the boogeyman ain't shit, man. And she, she described him to me and told me he would get me, man. So when I seen The Exorcist, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, yeah, my head's yeah. going to start spinning around, and I'm going to be puking, and... Fucking! Oh my god! And yeah, I still to this day think that movie's an absolute, absolute horror classic. Of course, like you said, I love the old school um, Universal monster films. Grew up watching them. Sure. Um, on TV, they'd have this like thing on Channel Eleven called Chiller Theater, and they would show all the old, you know, uh, horror movies. And yeah, like you said, The Omen, another one, especially that Jerry Smith um, score. Is just fucking creepy as fuck. Yeah, and and that whole line from the Eternal Sea—he rises, creating armies on either shore, pitting man against his brother until man exists no more. I'm like, right. man, that's some Edgar Allan
1: Poe fucking wordplay well, right there. Between man. that and just the fact that nothing really happens in the Omen, I mean, if you think about it, you got Gregory Peck, they got the Devil Kid, but nothing really <clears throat> <clears throat> happens. It's just. It's all set up and, like you said, scored so well. It yeah. scares the fuck out of you the whole time. Yeah. It's not until... Well, you know, if you ask me, it's not until Damien the Omen 2 does like the bad shit start happening.
2: That's true, but there is that one creepy... Damien, it's all for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like,
2: what the fuck? You know, like,
1: yeah, you know... That's, again, that's old, what, 60s, 70s horror and I, yeah. and, and I really want to move us into the 80s horror. Sure, um, sure, even though Bobby. I know you and I may not necessarily be fans of slasher films. Uh, there's a reason sh- we want to talk about slasher films for a minute. Sure, sure. Uh, and that's because of the amount of heavy metal bands. Now granted, heavy metal for the time. Calm down people. These were the popular ones. They were really involved with these horror films. I mean, from Nightmare on Elm Street to uh, Friday the 13th. You know, there's, you know, countless others, trick or treat, you know, with, uh, from Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne.
2: And that's kind of a love letter to heavy metal. Really?
1: And what's really cool is the the main
2: character. If you notice, when you look at the uh, posters on his wall, there was all kinds of metal there. I mean, you had crash metal. You had, you had fucking, you know, extreme metal. You had glam metal, even like, yeah, he had everything metal, man, you know, and that's I loved that. I It's a cheesy as fuck film, but I love Trick or Treat. Just I love that. it
1: because I grew up Eddie. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. I had long hair and my parents thought I was, you know, I, I wasn't allowed to go to concerts. You know, they were basically like the mother in uh, uh, Detroit Rock City. It's bad enough oh, to right. listen to this music, but you want to see the devil in the flesh. You know, it was. Right. I really grew and up I, that my way. Parents,
2: you know? My parents weren't that radical like it's weird bush like i said before they would let us have the posters they'd let us listen to records but they were very adamant about you're not going to those concerts there's going to be people doing drugs blah 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 it's a bunch of freaks and weirdos in st louis and i'm going oh man you know like i couldn't go to
1: concerts either man my first concert i graduated high school in 93 i didn't see a concert until the 96 reunion tour
2: Oh, wow. By yes, you point, had it a little bit worse than I did, even, for yeah, were younger figure.
1: than me. You got to uh, figure. My, my, All through the 80s, I wasn't allowed to go to any these shows. A lot of shows come to Syracuse, which is only an hour south. And a lot of shows went to Ontario, Canada, and Ottawa. Yeah. You know, but they're not that far away. It's like an hour to Kingston, Ontario, you know. Then you could just catch a bus from there into Ottawa. Well, another but thing that I, I you had mentioned earlier... Oh. Okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go I had decided, you know, by the time I graduated high school, well, fuck, I missed all these great shows in the 80s. And as a joke, I'm like, yeah, well, if Kiss ever puts their makeup on, I'll I'll go see them. I didn't think it would actually happen. But yeah, 80s fucking horror oh, yeah. shows were great. Uh, I know a lot of people love Jason, Fight of the 13th. I, I am here. Um, I want to go on record. I said it on Facebook. Cause somebody was saying, rank the Fight of the 13th movies. Here's my Fight of the 13th rank. It goes, Friday the 13th, the original film. End of fucking ranking.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I I am sorry. I've I've never gotten it. I've never gotten it. It's like, for one, it was just a blatant ripoff of Halloween. And Halloween is a masterpiece, in my opinion. That is a good movie. The first
1: first one. You're right. The Rob Zombie first one is great.
2: No, I'm talking about the John Carpenter. <laughs> uh, even though I
1: don't mind the
2: remake. I thought Rob did a good job. Uh, both of them, uh, I thought he did. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind. Uh, you know, and, uh, and interestingly enough, the idea for Halloween, though, is a lot of people don't realize Carpenter and his group of people, they didn't want to keep making Michael Myers movies. Did you know that?
1: Well, yeah. That's why Season of the Witch came out, which is my favorite Actually, of that franchise. It's a pretty franchise.
2: cool movie, man. Yeah. yeah. It's but cheesy, nobody... but it's
1: my favorite of that franchise. But... but
2: But nobody really gave it a chance at the time because, you know, I think that's partly on them. They didn't advertise, like, this is an anthology of movies. Like, these are movies that are, like, we're going to tell different Halloween-type stories. They never really said that. So I think, one, they fucked up by doing Halloween two with Michael Myers. That was the fuck-up. They should have left the movie the way it was. Right. Because I think the original Halloween is, is just, you know, great. Um, the, the second one, I'm like, eh, you know, and then and then they you do the third one, but then they go, it's like, oh well, fuck, it didn't make as much money as the other one, so let's go back to doing Michael Myers right. to death, you you know, kind of thing. And it was, you know, it was very disappointing to me. I mean, John Carpenter's been quoted as saying that if he had known that Halloween was gonna spawn as many imitators as it did, he probably wouldn't have done it. Because wow. most of them were fucking schlock, dude. I mean, you know, it's like just especially Friday the 13th, they just went total gore.
1: There was really no... It was just... Oh, okay. And, and it's so formulaic. Well, the the first one... Let me tell you why I like the first one so much. Because uh, for that time... That was late 70s. It's very yeah. creepy. The whole idea of a bunch of... You know, we're going to put this the, camp back together. The first
2: and, one's not bad. The first well, one's not bad. And, and the, the the twist ending to it was pretty cool, too. But
1: go well, ahead. See, I don't even... because. I don't even know if I would consider it a twist ending. It makes perfect sense. You know, when you find out that it's the mother of this, you know, I don't want to say, but the the handicapped child. That's what I liked
2: about it. That's what I liked about it. It was was the mother. The mom. The
1: sweet little old lady is the fucking psycho
2: killer. I liked that. I thought that was
1: a cool. It it made sense. And I'm sorry, I know horror is not supposed to make sense because when I defend this next movie, you're going to laugh your ass off. But at least it made sense. There was a there was a degree of believability, no matter how far-fetched it is. There's a degree of believability with this woman, obviously suffering a mental crack, mm-hmm. because her child drowned in the lake while some counselors were banging. Okay. Kill. So now she's got to kill any counselor that comes to this place. I get it. It's a stretch.
2: Especially if they're fucking.
1: Yes. It's a stretch. <laughs> but I get it. Now... Little Jason coming out of the water in the girl's dream. He's all young and deformed and small. Okay, she wakes up from the dream and realizes, okay, I'm just out in this boat alone. We've killed mom. It's just me out here. Everyone else is dead. End of fucking story. Girl survives. Why she's killed by a big stalking, haunting you know, you know, killer with a potato bag over his fucking head.
2: You didn't even have the hockey mask yet. No, not even later. a hockey
1: mask yet. How the fuck did Jason grow? Bitch died as a little handicapped, both mentally and physically boy. Well, to me, How the fuck it he almost is so big. Was Stupid. with the Friday the Thirteenth films,
2: it, it got to the point where it was he was like a supernatural. He wasn't even human anymore. He's supernatural. I and mean, he can't die, dude. Right. No matter what they do to him, you know, it's, it's like, ridiculous. And don't get me wrong, like, I watched him more for comedy relief, man. Like, the one, I forget which one it was, because they're all the fucking same, but there was this boxer dude who was just punching the shit out of Jason. Boy, he just whooping Jason's ass, or or so it seen man. But the dude's just fucking spent, man. He's just gave Jason all he's got, and Jason pretty much took it. And he's like, all right, motherfucker, give me your best shot. And Jason <laughs> punches him, and his dick's comes flying off. I mean it's fucking hilarious to me. I but yeah, I'm not I'm not a I I am not aii you know, I know there and I know there's going to be a lot of our fellow metalheads and movie people. Why are you fucking not I'm yeah, I'm just not that I've never been a big fan of Friday the 13th, man. I've always thought it was kind of like again, blatant Halloween ripoff for one thing, and then secondly, after, you know, like you said, like it, it whatever. It's just a movie yeah,
1: It is it's just fucking It's stupid. gore porn.
2: It's what my nephew calls. He calls it gore porn, where it's it has, there's no story. There's right. really no structure to the plot. It's just, all right, man, if you want to watch a movie where a lot of people just get fucking killed.
1: Yeah. Well, then, a lot of these franchises, go. they can stop at one film. There's no need to go any further. Yeah. You know, uh, one that I love, and I love both versions of this film, and I know it pisses people off that I love the other one so much is Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. The movie. original one is great. I the think the one. reboot is great. I, I and it's say great, but it wasn't bad. I don't think it was as
2: bad as people made it out to be. And I thought dude did a good job as Freddy Krueger. I, I really like that guy, though. I thought he was
1: much creepier as Freddy. And he they, they did, boy, they worked really hard on that makeup because he looked like an actual burn victim. Right. I mean, everyone's bitching, oh, he's got no ears. Because oh, that would burn off. That makes yeah. perfect fucking sense to me, you know. Right. Yeah. They yeah, made him it... creepier by actually coming out and saying he was a child molester. Right. You know, in the yeah. original they version, imply it, they, they, they imply don't really it, but say they don't. It. So you just think he's just a creepy guy that likes to murder children. Yeah. You don't realize he's banging them first. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, which is even sicker, you know. You know, so Some Captain like,
2: Howdy shit right there. For man.
1: real. But it, but that would even though hokey as fuck. Being in a dream state and suffering from sleep exhaustion, and how one can actually start to have hallucinations, yeah, because they're basically sleeping while they're awake. That is such a great area to work within. So, that one, while it should have stopped at one, Mm -hmm. you could spawn a bunch of sequels. And with Robert Englund using the whole angle of being funny,
2: yeah,
1: while doing the killing, no, I know, I know people loved it. I didn't, yeah, oh, yeah. I I still prefer the reboot, and and I prefer the reboot. Really? No, I won't go that far. I mean, but I will say
2: this: I mean, I I thought it was much creepier the the reboot. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, like some people freak out over remakes and shit. And I'm more like our good friend Doctor Fuck in that regard, dude. I just look at it as like, well. It's not like they're deleting the original to make no. way for this one. My only thing about remakes, and I always say this, is kind of like cover tunes. I want the people that are doing it to make it theirs. I don't want to see what I've seen before with like more updated special effects and makeups. I want to see something different. Bring you know, bring you know. Okay, for instance, man, some people have heard bitch about this remake. I don't like it as much as the original, but I had to applaud them for doing something different. And that's RoboCop. Like, if you watch the original RoboCop, which I know it's not horror, so I'm going to get in the segue just real quick and, and be on my way. When Murphy <laughs> gets killed, Murphy literally dies. Like, he dies. Like, he gets his brains blowed out. Right. And then they bring him back, and he has some remnants of his humanity. In the other version, he gets mangled and fucked up really bad and very nearly dies— But he's still Murphy. So when he wakes up, he still remembers his life before. Honestly, Bushy, I don't know which fate would be worse. They're both pretty shitty.
1: They're both pretty shitty. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I'm just like, oh my God, I think in some ways that might even be worse than what happened to Murphy in the original, you know? Because I was just like, holy fuck, man. So I kind of like that
1: twist to it, you know? Well, I feel you. And and, and people got to get off this remake thing. Because most movies that we grew up loving so much were actually remakes in and of themselves. Uh, Scarface without Pacino was a remake of Scarface talking about Al Capone. On, way yeah, back you're in right. The day, you you're know? right. It was the same movie, different circumstances. This guy rises up being a Cuban refugee, probably a criminal. It goes on to form a criminal empire great film that dude there's reboots all the time Um people get so mad but it's like hollywood's been out of ideas since the golden age
2: well well but there is a fan of science fiction and fantasy and horror i do have a point that's one thing where and, and i do think it's getting better like some people complain about newer movies and stuff but here you go man like my dad just got apple tv I, being a science fiction geek, I'm a big Isaac Asimov fan, and they're doing the Foundation series of books as a series. And so far, it's been fan-fucking-tastic. And that's why I'm like, there are, there is literally a plethora of great science fiction, fantasy, and horror stories that can be done.
1: I'm talking books
2: and right. series of books that can be adapted. So, yeah, I do so get they a don't
1: all have to be Hollywood. Stephen King.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I, I do get a little irritated at Hollywood because it's like, guys... There's a, literally a wealth of material, you know, source material out there. It's kind of like what the Marvel and DC films, it's like, man, there's all these different characters and different versions of these characters. You can literally, you don't have to keep, you know, and again, like when it comes to a reboot, sometimes they work. Like, I think um, a perfect example of that was Daniel Craig's Casino Royale. Loved that movie. I don't I,
1: consider that like, a reboot. That's just more James Bond. I can't wait to see his final appearance as James Bond.
2: Yeah, but... It was the first time that somebody had actually adapted the first
1: book. And well, they did the first book showing how Bond becomes Bond. Right. What, what makes his Bond so special is that they kind of got away from the silly. Well, and, yeah, he, it's more know, like more the Ian Fleming more,
2: character. If yeah. you read the books, man, Bond's a badass, man. Exactly. And, and let's be honest, though. If you don't have the Jason Bourne movie, if you don't get Bourne Identity, I don't know if you get that version of Bond.
1: You may not. I really don't. But anyway, we're, we're,
2: we're kind of getting sidetracked here. So let's let's keep it focused on the, the scary oh, shit. Oh,
1: shit. Look at Metal Mike bringing it back home. Good job. Yes. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm putting yeah. a gold star on episode 94. <laughs> gold star for Mike. <laughs> the but reason uh, we wanted to start talking about all this horror shit is because we want to talk about some horror music. Now, a lot of these 80s bands showed up in these 80s horror films. Um, as we've been talking, you've probably caught a few glimpses of it. I'm putting in some clips of music. Uh, you would have heard some Alice Cooper by now. You would have heard some Dokken by now. You definitely would have heard some Fastway. Oh, And yeah. you would have heard some 13 Pagan Holiday 13. Thirteen Pagan Holiday. Thirteen. I just saw this come across my Instagram feed. They're talking about doing new music, and I'm excited. And I've been on these guys for years and years and years. Uh, back in the '80s, when they used to record all their music on a four-track and just sell their demo tapes, is basically what they were at school. They did a killer fucking heavy metal version of the Munsters theme song. So every time <laughs> they're talking, every time they're talking about doing an album, I'm on them about this theme song. I'm like, come on, bro. I promoted you on my fucking radio show. You guys guested on my show for three fucking hours. Give me some monsters. So I posted on his little Instagram post and it comes back. Yes, (laughs) they are. I said, you're finally re recording the monsters theme song since Rob Zombie is rebooting that into a movie. He said, yes, we are. Fuck
2: yeah, Peggy Holiday. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, uh, Rob just recently posted a picture of, of his cast, and it's a black-and-white photo. And they look I have good. To say, they look good. Yeah, I'm going,
1: you know, this might be pretty cool, man. 13 Mockingbird Lane, or 13, 13 Mockingbird Lane. And, and it's funny, 13 Pagan Holiday 13, if you Right
2: that there. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And, and
1: here's here's th- good. They did a great job building that set.
2: Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, with Rob, I, I love White Zombie. I was a big fan back in the day his solo stuff kind of is hit or miss with me, honestly. Right. But I do like a lot. Like I, I liked house of a thousand corpses. I like devil's rejects. I think those are cool fucking movies, man. I like, most I think of he's a talented work. guy. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, He's a talented dude, and he's a multi-talented dude. You know, right. he, he is. I think Rob looks at himself more as an artist than just a musician. Like, you know, music's just part of his art. Because well, even the White Zombie albums would have all that cool artwork. Yeah, that, and that was his, all his artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a talented guy.
1: Yeah, he's absolutely amazing. I can't wait for the monsters. I know, like people like, man, I love you, Vince Kavanaugh, but you're wrong. You can't get so mad. Oh, they're not going to capture the same magic. Those three had such great comedic timing. Well, first of all, we don't know if it's going to be a horror film or a comedy. We don't know what Rob's doing with it. Right. We know that it looks good so far. The only bitch I've seen somebody have posted, oh, I don't, I don't remember Grandpa Joe ever having a mustache. Okay, if that's the only issue you have, calm the fuck down. Cesar Romero in the Batman TV series, who played the Joker in the sixties, would not shave his mustache off. Could be the same thing.
2: Yeah. Dude. Yeah, look. It. Yeah. Look. You know. I mean. Like I said, um, you know, with any of it, I'm willing to give it a chance. Who knows? It might fucking suck. It could be the worst day we've ever watched. We don't know, you know, but I'll at least give it, I'm pretty open-minded, especially as I've gotten older. Like, for instance, you were just mentioning Cesar Romero's The Joker. I remember when I found out Heath Ledger had been cast as The Joker, I thought Christopher Nolan and all them people had lost their goddamn mind, man. I'm a I'm Thank a huge you. Batman fan. Read the comics. I was like, fucking Night's Tales, fucking the Joker, you Pretty Boy, that guy. You know, right. did not you know because he I heard one I hate about
1: choices, you for real.
2: <laughs> yeah, one of their other choices for the Joker, from what I understand, was Adrian uh, Brody, which I'm like, well, that guy makes more sense because he's tall and lanky and thin like the Joker. But but Heath this audition tape that he had made you know and it was the scene where he's got the dude dressed as batman he's doing the whole innocent he sent that to christopher nolan apparently from what i understand i don't know if that's true but this is the the rumor and that's why christopher casting him and you know what the guy fucking killed it
1: man best of course, joker ever dude.
2: but yeah i mean yeah. exactly you know i mean i don't see how anybody can fucking you know i'll hear some of you oh jack nicholson look i look and this is going to be a controversial opinion. Not a big fan of 89 Batman. Thank you.
1: Gentlemen. Oh, my God. Or Michael Keaton is Batman, because Batfleck's the best.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like, if you want a Batman oh. who's like the comic, that's the best Batman. And and I like Christian Bale. And, and there were moments in the Batman movie that I liked. I mean, I'm like, oh, they did their homework. But... The, I think the first half of '89 Batman's not bad, but then they kind of just derailed it with this whole weird love triangle between the yeah. Joker and Batman and Vicky Vale. I didn't get that. A fact: the fact that they get a platinum blonde to play Vicky Vale, which she's an act, actual fact, of ginger. Which that's whatever, not that big a deal. But but the character was so obviously based on a platinum blonde character named Silver Saint Cloud, right. who did figure out who Bruce was, who Batman was, like in the comics, like. They basically kind of adapted that storyline, but then just got weird with it. I I, I don't know. And yes. then they killed the Joker. But to me, that's Jack Nicholson playing the Joker, and I love Jack. And don't get me wrong. I think if another thing at the time, he was really too old for the role. Like if they were doing Dark Knight Returns, you couldn't have gotten better. If they'd have done a Batman movie circa early seventies, you couldn't have gotten a better Joker. But he was really too old for the way the character. You know, because this is supposed to be Batman. Fairly at the beginning of his career, you know, and and you got Joker who's like, and then then he's the murderer of Bruce's parents. I didn't dig that. That's way too big of a liberty. There was a lot of things that just bothered me about that film
1: as a Batman fan. See, I wasn't that big a fan, but uh, I, I mean, do I like the 89 Batman? Do I like Batman Returns? Yeah, but they're so fucking hokey that that whole series, it's like DC decided, yeah, we'll just make everything we do dark and hokey.
2: Well, what it was, is to me, it was a mixture of the Adam West Batman with the comic book Batman. Right. Like, we're going to get dark, and we're going to be all fucking, and we'll have our moments where things are violent and evil, but we're also going to be really campy and retarded in parts. Well, I have and it to just ask you just got worse a question. with each sequel.
1: Right. Well, I have to ask you a question, because I, I like uh-huh. the Bale Batman as well. Uh, but, yes. you know, the Dark Knight is the best of the series, because I'm sorry, Ledger stole the fucking show.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Have you seen the latest trailer for The Batman?
2: Yes, I have.
1: What do you think?
2: I think it's going to be badass. It looks like it's going to be really good, man. It looks like it's going to be really, really good.
1: I have been anti this film since it was announced who was playing the Batman. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I would see a couple still shots. Like, ooh, I mean, that car does look pretty badass, man. He's Mm -hmm. obviously starting out because that's not even really a Batmobile. You know, yeah, and I'm, and I'm like, ooh, I mean, the cowl kind of sucks, but the outfit's not bad. But this last trailer, I'm like, okay, all right, you have my attention.
2: Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm, will I'm, definitely I'm,
1: be seeing this. Right, too.
2: yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm all, I'm, I'm all, I'm like, okay, DC, take my money, you know, kind of thing.
1: But um, hell yeah,
2: yeah. Anyway, even but though yeah. we could, I believe it or not, there is a uh, uh, one of the. Uh, best batman stories of all time which is early in his career is called batman the long halloween so there you go well see how i just tied Brought that it back yeah. yeah baby yeah. so not only am i you know getting back into it yeah i'm even doing it subtly Hold all on. right man
1: there's that's that's your second gold star of it's the episode ever right, only 40 yes. minutes in ladies and gentlemen
2: all right <laughs> well
1: plus so music it, so who the fuck but
2: knows. anyway as you were as you were mentioning you know um Heavy metal and horror obviously are, are kind of synonymous. And, and 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 I do think, like you said, the, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the whole idea, and also it was supernatural. It wasn't just a dude killing people, he was killing you in your dreams. In your dreams. And, yeah. And Wes Craven, he, that's why he didn't come back for any sequels till way later because he felt like I ended the film, that was the end. You know, it was like he didn't really want, he wasn't really keen to do. Uh, sequels, but the guy who played Freddy, when he got the part, he signed a multi-film you know, film contract. So, I, I mean, some of the sequels aren't bad, but none of them was as creepy as the first film, in my opinion. Not at all.
1: But the, so, now the reason we're talking about is this week we are going to be diving into King Diamond, the band's third studio album. We're going to be talking about them. Uh, released September 13th, 1988. That was not a Friday uh, Albums They always dropped on Tuesdays back then. I don't even know if they do that anymore. And your movies always dropped on Fridays, you know, for obvious reasons. Mike, how did you come into King Diamond?
2: Okay, um, basically... Um... Again, thank God for older brothers and and your mentors. You know, as I've mentioned before, I had Kevin Barnes across the street. I had my cousin Mitchell. They were very much responsible for me because we were just Kiss fanatics. Okay, guys, there's other bands. So they introduced us to a lot of the great classic 70s, you know, hard rock, heavy metal artists at the time. Right. By the time the 80s rolled around, you know, my big brother and his buddy, Dave Grindstaff, who was like a couple years older than him. Dave was... um, Dave Grimstaff was always kind of on the fringes of what was, you know, like he loved Motley Crue and he loved glam metal, but he was all about the extreme stuff or what was considered extreme back then. And uh, I mean, this is the guy that introduced us to Metallica and Slayer. And my reaction to it was like, what the fuck is this? And I was just like that with Merciful Fate. I'll never forget. So, so the you had
1: time. so you had heard Merciful Fate first. Yes,
2: yes, sir, and it freaked me the fuck out.
1: I mean, I loved it,
2: or I, I I grew to love it, and I and I still love Merciful Fate and, I, and and King Diamond, um, but King's voice, especially, it sounds like something from another dimension almost the yeah. way that guy sings, the way he can go really deep and then Whoa, with the falsettos and just the uh, really free he's got to
1: have a five octave range i would be oh my god man. And,
2: and that one thing i do love about the king is nobody sounds like king diamond and he don't sound like anybody else except now there is a band believe it or not that's more like um think of merciful fate or or King Diamond on steroids called, ironically enough, Them, that our good uh, friend, station manager and fellow um, radio personality, Sarah, introduced me to. Because when they first started out, they called themselves Them, and they were a King Diamond tribute band. Oh, okay. And then eventually they started doing their own original material. And it does, it sounds very much like fucking Merciful Fate and King Diamond, but like fucking on steroids, which is pretty cool, but that's, that's, pretty that's the only guy I've ever heard that I'm like, Whoa, that guy reminds me of King diamond. Cause I mean, dude, his style of scene and the way he scenes. Um, also I've often felt that, you know, uh, King diamond is just an amazing storyteller. Like I, I don't understand why people don't adapt these things for movie scripts. I was going to not.
1: say this, th- and this one in particular is Boy, that'd be great. Now he is releasing Abigail into a uh, graphic graphic novel. novel. For him. Yeah, I gotta say, when I came into King Diamond, I was a late fucking blooper, brother. I was in a tenth grade, to let you know. When that was, I started ninth grade in '89, so '89 to '90, '90 '91
2: in that era. Oh, okay, and, yeah, uh, sure, sure. A
1: buddy of I, mine. I know a
2: lot of people that got into King Diamond and didn't even really know about Merciful Fate till later. Yeah, I knew I mean, nothing it, about it. it. it it's kind of like people I've talked to that some that were like, even to this day, I talk to some people who actually prefer Ozzy with his band than they do with black Sabbath. Right. You know, um, Mark Alden Taylor's one of those, like he likes Ozzy or Sabbath, but he's like, honestly, dude, I prefer Ozzy on his own. I'm like, Oh, okay, fair enough. You know, right.
1: so I, I get that. Go ahead. Yeah. With King, uh, it's actually funny. Uh, a buddy of mine, Angelo, I Lottie, uh, Comes into class one day. How Italian is that, right? Right on, right? He uh, comes into 10th grade history class, social studies class, whatever you want to call it. And throws a tape on my desk. Says, hey, bro, check this out. It is King Diamond Them on cassette. And I was like, "Okay, oh, okay, fucking sweet. And I put it up at the corner on my desk. Well, Mr. Staub, who was a deacon in his Catholic diocese, comes by and sees it. And says, can I look at this? And I'm like, well, yeah, go ahead. And he, of course, he opens it, takes the tape out, starts unfolding because he's trying to look at lyrics because them with the scary house on the cover, uh-huh. him. it tipped him off. And as he's reading these lyrics, it's hilarious because <laughs> you could literally see his eyes getting big. I hadn't even heard the fucking record yet. Mm-hmm. His eyes are getting bigger. And he just says, can I photocopy this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Mr. Stav, just I haven't heard it yet. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, he brings it back to me. He ended up speaking of, you know, about the evils of rock and roll. In church that weekend
2: Oh but, wow But I
1: took it home and I got it I know a lot of people don't get King Like our buddy Mark he can't stand King Diamond's voice he thinks it fucking great Sodom I think it has more to do with That he was a quote unquote Satanist Than anything else because he won't listen to anything That's evil I was surprised he did the Slayer album For James West he did that only because He was trying to help James Because that motherfucker doesn't like anything That might be too evil well, I got uh, it right away. King Diamond made sense to me. I was blown away. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, by the musicianship, because I and I'll touch on that throughout our review oh, of dude. this.
0: Dude. But
1: his yeah. vocals, I, I had never heard something that could go from so guttural to so ear piercing to yes. you know, to make you know to blend this atmosphere, blend this ambiance, and give you a truly frightening experience through mm-hmm. sound. I ended up being on a King Diamond hunt after that. The next album I bought was the I, because that's the one that was out that year. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go get Abigail and Conspiracy. I, I had bought everything, and Abigail. And it must be once again because I was raised in that church. Abigail, I put into my you know stereo to play to fall asleep to. As a kid that is stuck too much in the church right now, at that time, the only album. It was a cassette, not vinyl record, but the only album that ever gave Bushy fucking nightmares. Woke oh, really? up having Kafka dreams. That whole "We all got it here tonight to lay to rest Abigail Lafay" and all the demonic voices yeah. behind it. Oh, scared the fuck out of me.
2: Loved it. <laughs> but I've been
1: a King Diamond fan since then, and uh, it was funny because you know with Halloween coming up, and like, metal Mike, we gotta, you know, we gotta do like a Halloween show and. I said, let's talk about this fucking record, and he's like, "Oh shit, it's one of my favorites." And I'm like, "Yeah, me too. It's not my absolute favorite. I don't know if it is yours."
2: Uh, of King Diamond?
1: Yeah, King Diamond. The it, band. it is. This I, is I, your I feel, favorite yeah. King
2: Diamond. Yeah, believe it or not, as much as I love <laughs> Abigail and Fatal, Fatal Portrait, and I was all about those records, man. To me, this this album, it, it's it's. I think King and and, and the band. Even though at that point in time, they had changed some musicians. Because when King Diamond first formed, Merciful Fate broke up. Some of the other guys started calling themselves Fate and became more of a commercially hard rock band. And King was like, fuck that, man. I'm going to stay doing what I'm doing. And some of the dudes that were in that band stayed with him. Right. By the time this release rolls around, there's some new personnel within the band. But I mean, what a, talk about a shit hot lineup. I mean, you got King Diamond. And he's doing vocals and keyboards and playing guitar on the rever- the rehearsal versions. Because he right. does write a lot of his own music. Um, you got Andy LaRock. My God, what an amazing guitarist. And I had the Beast. pleasure of seeing him. I got to see King Diamond a few years ago. There was a gal I was dating at the time, and she's a big metalhead. And, and we went and took a road trip to Lexington, Kentucky. Or no, wait, Louisville, Kentucky, to see the Kane with Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats open for him. And now sonically, you'd go, yeah, okay, both bands are heavy, but totally different styles of metal. Sure. You got, you got King Diamond to me, especially musically with the, with Andy and them, an almost neoclassical kind of heavy metal. You know, like you know, spiderwebby guitar and all that. You got Sometimes. Uncle Acid and the D- Deadbeats, which is more. Um, <clears throat> Psychic to me, Beatles meaning Black Sabbath kind of thing, you know, which I love. Right. But the one thing they do have in they haven't common, and that's one of the reasons why King's a fan. Glass and the Dead beats
1: every one of their albums tells a story. Right, and that's you know, something that that's I some thought creepy was actually, story. Creepy see, that's shit. something that I thought was um, specific to King, and because uh, you know concept albums they tend to kill careers. Sometimes you get lucky. You know, Tommy made it. Music from the Elder did not. <laughs> oh, sure,
2: sure. Even Queensland though I got that. Album. My Crime, though, was a big hit. And, big hit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's funny, with though, was that, a, that that album was a big hit for Queensryche, but really the album that paid dividends for him, that really blew up for him, was Empire. Right. I've noticed that with a lot of metal bands. It's like the one album that's kind of game changing, like for instance, Pantera. The game changing album was really vulgar, Display of Power. And yes, it sold a lot and it did well, but that was more of a slow, um, almost. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, Organic growth, I should say. Uh, By the time Far Beyond Driven comes out, boom, it goes number one. Why? Because of vulgar display of power. And I think that goes for um, a lot of bands and stuff. And and, and, and and as I said, I love Fatal Portrait. Love me some Abigail. Um, Great record. And I know a lot of people feel Abigail is his greatest uh, work. But to me, this is the album that... It's the one I always come back to. Um, it, it, it's it's just a perfect record as far as I'm concerned. I'm, so be prepared for a love fest here. It's um,
1: actually going to be a love fest on my part too. Uh, is it my favorite King? No, my favorite's actually the Graveyard. I think that's a much more terrifying story.
2: Yeah, oh, but this. I don't think King Diamond ever has ever really made a bad record. Honestly,
1: I don't. I don't think so either. Even and, the Spider's Lullaby, which only the last four songs tell a story. That's the only album I know of.
2: Right. That's and an actual
1: then, studio release. It has a series of songs that have nothing to do with each other. And right. they all rule. And then you have a four-song EP at the end of it.
2: Right. And and, and I think, you know, like when, when you said earlier about King and even Merciful Fate, it, people either get it or they don't. It's just he's one of those guys where, you know, he does kind of – I mean, the, the, I ain't going to lie, man. The first time I heard Merciful Fate, my reaction was pretty much the way it was with Metallica and Slater. Like, what is this new sound that I have to take in? And I'm not sure if I like this or not. It, you know, it was kind of almost jarring to me. Right. But once I got it, I fucking got it, man.
1: And I got it immediately.
2: And here's the one thing for me is I think that our good friend Dr. Fuck is absolutely right. Maybe Merciful Fate and King Diamond hasn't sold as many albums as like an Iron Maiden. But I'm here to fucking tell you folks. Like it or not, Merciful Fate is every bit as influential as those bands, especially when it comes to Extreme Metal. Yes. You know, I mean, all the Thrash Metal guys absolutely adore Merciful Fate, man. And, you know, so, and they put them right up there with Maiden and all those guys. So, there like, you go. Uh, put that in your pipe and smoke it all. For you real.
1: I like Fate King. Makers. I like King over Fate because King is a little more, just a little,
2: mm-hmm.
1: accessible. Uh, yeah. Commercially, you know, sonically. Uh, uh-huh. It's just a little more accessible. Is it yeah. trashy? Is it chuggy? Is it heavy? Yes. But, you know, the, the storytelling makes it worth the ride. And, I mean, this time you got Mickey D on drums. Oh my know. God, what a beast. He
2: fucking oh, kills it on this record. This, man. This,
1: this shit is so good. I think we should just quit fucking around and drop the needle but, on this bitch. Let's just let's let's get man. into let's do it, it. it, man. Let's do it. I'm going to let you go because I think our reviews are going to be kind of similar. This is going to be either hilarious or a train wreck. Okay. um, From the asylum.
2: Okay. um, A really cool and creepy intro where you have Kane. Obviously, it's Kane playing all the various characters discussing the old bitch. Here's an interesting side note. The twinkling instrument that you hear on the album's opening and closing tracks is our man's own childhood music box. Keen is playing that himself. He has stated that this album is, in many ways, his most personal album. Apparently, he'd lost his father a year before he wrote this album, and he's channeled all of that grief um, into this magnum opus. In my opinion, oh, wow. uh, I I love this album, and right off the get-go, man. I love the intro. It's not really a song, per se, but it introduces the story. It does its job. And you're immediately going, what in the fuck is this shit, man? And um, yeah, so there you go, man. What do you think, Bush?
1: Well, uh, this is one of the reasons that I absolutely love King Diamond. Uh, Is it cheesy? You know, with all the crazy 80s horror sounds going on in the background. That weird, almost Twilight Zone type of almost toy piano sounded tune being played it
2: is a toy piano
1: it's like of course it's cheesy as fuck but when them i won't say they because i want to keep with the title but when them start talking man this mood is set immediately oh i know right you know and we get into the whole we find out what the story is about grandma is coming back from hospital we find out later that it was the wacky fucking warden. That bitch been gone for a minute. <laughs> but yeah, right. your know, mom kind of freaks out. Mother, it's not mom, it's mother. Mother kind of like, oh shit, she's here, Missy. You know, be good to her because she's been away for a long time. And then kind of yells it at King. It goes for you too, King. Would you yeah. stop playing that thing
2: and answer the, the door. door? Yeah, then then it kind of. Door. Yeah, it's fucking great. It just
1: it's silence. It's a brilliant opening to an album. To have absolutely no musical character other than that eerie toy piano thing
2: going on. And it gets get faster and
1: faster, yeah. and faster. It's
2: brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. I love it. It just like you said, it sets the whole tone for the album. Right away, you're like, Oh, okay. I'm in and I was already a King Diamond fan anyway when I listened to this album, so it was like, Oh, fuck yeah.
1: You yeah. Know, see, I was um, blown away because I had never heard. Now this it. is
2: your first King Diamond album. That's yeah. so cool. See, what a way to get introduced, man. Oh, what yeah. a way to get introduced. All yeah. right,
1: cool. Fuck yeah, man. And th- th- we move into a uh, Welcome Home, which really musically is what sets the tone. You know, we already know what's going to happen. I mean, this sets the mood, I guess. I guess Alfred's album sets the mood. Welcome Home sets the tone. You're about to have your balls kicked through the top of your skull. It's uh, the first oh, of two nice. singles. Oh, nice. You know, it's it's the first of two singles. Uh, King Diamond, the band, has only released five in their entire career. Uh, and it's the introduction to all the main characters. Uh, you have insane riffs, ridiculous changes. And that's something Iron Maiden really needs to learn a thing or two from. If you go to do a long song, learn about King Diamond and Evil Merciful Fate and how they make changes so the fucking song goes somewhere. Basically, Grandma comes home and she knows that they, them, are present. King even asked at one point, Grandma, who are they? Because she's talking about, she talks about her. She don't give a fuck. She's home. <laughs> you know? Right. And she kind of reacts by yelling at him. Uh, you know, kind of freaking him out. You know, never mind, you dirty little brat. Right. Killer and fucking guitar I love guitar the way he delivers it, Never
2: mind, you dirty little brat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking King's,
1: awesome. Right here it says, King's voice is eerie as fuck. Love it. What a great this is the actual opening track. What do you think of Welcome Home? Um, a perfect opening track just basically sets the
2: tone of the album from the very fucking get-go, from the very start. Starts right off with a killer drum intro provided by the amazing Mickey D that kicks into that fucking badass chugging riff. Then you hear Keene's famous falsetto open with the grandma. I fucking love it. Um, judging by the lyrics, Keene is obviously a grandma's boy, but not in a good way. <laughs> Amazing twin guitar soloing throughout the track, courtesy of Andy LaRock and Pete Black, aided and abetted by the thundering rhythm section of of, uh, Hal Patino's bass and Mickey D's drums. Just a perfect, perfect opening track. Um, I I absolutely love it, man. Yeah, it's just a fucking phenomenal opening track. And literally, literally um, sets the tone for, you know, the whole album. Like Absolutely. you said, just some of these lyrics, man, like when he's like uh I mean, just like this. Grandma, take a look. What do you think of the house and the silvery moon? That's fucking Edgar Allen wordplay right there, dude. Internet, Edgar Allen Poe wordplay. Um, I think I, I think uh King is also an amazing lyricist. I don't think that gets talked about enough, in my opinion.
1: Not enough. His, but his, his storytelling ability is amazing.
2: And and let's be honest, man, like I we just said before, very influential. His band Amherst Will doesn't, for some reason, doesn't get the credit. Gets kind of slipped under the radar compared to other, you know, bands, and it's a goddamn shame. But
1: what do you? It is it? because those who get it, get it. Get it, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, track three, the Invisible Guest. What you got? All right, man. Invisible Guest starts off with that
2: just that badass riff, chugging all the way through. Amazing musicianship throughout this fucking album. And with melodies and choruses that are just catchy as can be. That's another thing I love about Keen is it's metal, it's heavy, but they have hooks. You yes. know what I mean? Like, And, and um, Keen has apparently woke up in the middle of the night while Granny is entertaining her, quote, invisible guests. Keen can't see them, but he sees cups rising in thin air. It's just a creepy-ass song with tons of macabre atmosphere. Uh, just a terrific track, man. Um Yeah, love it. What's your thoughts, Bush?
1: Fuck yeah, man. Uh, Same thing. Killer intro, great guitar soloing. The riff's just fucking sick as hell. Yes. And that dual guitar attack is exactly how I like it.
2: (laughs) You know, I I do love dual guitar. I mean, that's one thing like, it's funny because Black Sabbath is my my all-time favorite band, as you know, you know. Uh, But and, and, and don't be wrong, I mean, I me the master of metal lyrics, but there have been times where i like, man, wouldn't it have been kind of cool if they could have had like an extra guitar player? Because I love like Judas Priest, even, you know, Maiden. I I like those bands that have that twin guitar attack, yes. Thin Lizzy. Uh, even my thrash metal bands, like when you have uh, Megadeth, Dave always gets a great guitar player to compliment him. Right. You know what I mean? And I just, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Even Slayer, you had Jeff Hanneman, you had Carrie Keen, man. They go back and forth. Like, you know, when you hear Angel of Death, man, they're going back and forth almost like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, we'll t- t- have a taste of this. You know, and they do. I love that shit. So, oh, yeah. You know, it, um yeah, great, great track. Great
1: Fuck, point. yeah. Was, well, you're right, man. In this track, we're you know, we're introduced finally to them. Uh, King yes. wakes up, you know, uh, hearing, you know, laughing from Grandma's room. And he kind of peeps through the keyhole to you fuckers that have never lived in a house that old. We used to have keyholes you could look through. And yeah, he sees the teacups just kind of rising in thin air. Grandma's talking to nobody. But she feels King comes and opens the door and invites King in. And uh, if you ask me, this kind of begins King's descent into madness, even though it's really not starting yet. Because either Grandma or them, they kind of place a spell on King right here saying uh, you're not going to remember any of it. Dude, that whole whispering at the end, go to sleep. It's creepy as fuck. Dude, it's a great tune. I, I dig the shit out of it. Yeah,
2: and, and the whole time, Mother and Missy, his little sister, are asleep downstairs. And yeah, the one no thing idea. I also thought that King was really great at is the fact that he very much establishes early on that him and his sister were close. That he really loved his little sister. Right. You know, and um, even though he's fucking losing it. He, he, you know, it, it's just really well done. It's just, again, man, I don't know why motherfuckers who are into horror don't fucking take these stories and adapt them to film. Like this would make a fantastic fucking movie, man, in oh, my oh, opinion. Yeah. Um, oh
1: hell yeah! So there you go. T. This was the second single. I love the slow-paced intro. It has an almost melancholy feel about it. Uh, But that riff once the vocals start. Dude, that's crunchy as fuck. And this is also where the story starts to go full-blown evil. Um, I'm guessing it's about a week that passes because he's talking about the following Friday. Yep. Yo, Grandma wakes King up to learn about the house of Amon and to learn about them. And basically, we find out that Grandma and them are using mother's blood in their tea to set them free, to unleash the evil in the house. Yes. It's eerie stuff. But fuck, one of the best guitar solos on the album oh. is in one of these many multiple, because there's always two or three solos in a King Diamond song. And uh, King, frankly, upon drinking the tea, officially comes under the spell of them and experiences euphoria. What do you think of a tea? All
2: right. This might surprise you a little bit, but in a good way. Um, this track is just fucking phenomenally epic, in my opinion. Um, not only is it my favorite track on this record, oh wow, it's my favorite King Diamond song ever. I adore this song. I love everything really? about it. Yes, King's wow. vocals are just on another fucking level on this one. He just absolutely kills it. The whole band does though. Like you, the musicianship's just flawless. The, the the fucking guitar work, everything about it. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, just the way he does the whole, like, uh, he get really deep, and then, and then that whole, oh, it is time for tea, and then finding yeah. out what tea really is, right. I and mean, Kane just gets absolutely seduced by them, especially Dude, creepy, when you find out no. exactly what tea is, and yeah, believe it or not, uh, that, that song, and I mean, I love a lot of Kane Diamond songs, don't get me wrong, but, but that one just... I I go nuts every time I hear it. You're
1: evil. Yeah, and maybe that's why. She cut a tiny
2: wound wound
1: in my my mother's mother's little heart.
2: It's just so (laughs) fucking like. It's great stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah, great, great stuff, man. I love it. I absolutely adore that song.
1: Yeah, it's probably at my top four or five on this album.
2: Yeah.
1: Mother's Getting Weaker. What you got on that one? All right, man. Starts
2: off with just another. Fucking killer, amazing, chugging riff that smacks you in your fucking ear hole. By this point in the story, Mom isn't doing good at all. Keen's little sister, Missy, is all kinds of upset. wants Keen to call someone for help. Keen, being under Grandma and their influence, or them, being under the influence of them, cuts the telephone wire, which, of course, the song ends with Missy going, I hate you! Uh, yeah. Just awesome neoclassical
1: guitar work all over this one um dude king diamond when andy LaRocque wasn't there i wasn't really that interested
2: yeah i mean i'm glad he's back i think the chemistry between him and andy are just it's just amazing um yeah like i said i don't really think king's ever put out a bad record
1: no but but definitely tell a difference
2: yeah, I think Andy LaRock is to King Diamond what Randy Rhodes is to Ozzy and Vivian Campbell is to Dio. There, I said it.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, and Keith Richards to. Uh, yes. Ray Jagger, I agree. I agree. Yes. Yes. Is, is, is that your whole review? I I interrupted you. Or Mark Rizzo
2: to uh, to uh, Max Cavalera, um, right. which of course he's no longer with Max anymore. But but yeah, I mean, Mother's getting even just some of the lyrical content, man. Like it's just so fucking. Uh, like right here, tonight would be the last night that we had our tea. That bloody tea which sent us into ecstasy. Yesterday, mothers complained, feeling dizzy, all in pain. Mother's getting weak. Just, dude, it's just badass, man. This whole fucking record is, it's a fucking masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. Uh, what do you think,
1: man? Dude, wow. First of all, how many fucking changes can you cram? into an opening sequence of a fine song. I know, right? Unbelievable. This is my second favorite track on the album. I only listed my first and second. Notice this is my second. Uh, The lyrical content is just as stellar as the musical performance. And as the title implies, I mean, the draining of mother's blood is killing her. Uh, Basically... Mm -hmm. Missy kind of, you know, grabs King and she's begging him to call for help and King refuses, you know, and that's when you get the whole, I hate you, you know, it's, dude, this is about as evil as it gets where you're so under this spell, they like, yeah, well, I guess that bitch is driving or dying, uh, you pour me another one, will you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. It's, well, it's, I yeah. mean, if you, it, yeah, because if you go back to like, uh, with T, that one part where he says, um. Uh, you know, my mother, uh, my mother didn't exist to me. You know. Yeah. Um, oh, I felt so yeah. heavenly. Right. Yeah. Nothing seemed yeah. to matter at all anymore. I mean, yeah, he's he's totally fucking losing his shit. Yeah, he's I, out. I, yeah, he's like he's all in. He's all in on them. Oh yeah, he's, he's with all them. in. Yeah.
1: It did. I don't know if on the vinyl because I don't remember. Although I do on the vinyl, I just don't have it in front of me. I don't know if this is where you. Flip you it flip over, over to not.
2: side B, yeah. This is oh, okay. side
1: B, man. So we open with "Bye Bye Missy." I love this because "Bye Bye Missy" is it's tea time again, Um and King sees mother, you know, being carried upstairs by them because she's floating up there, and King Grandma and them are, you know, having their tea, and Missy kind of comes in and sees mother starts crying, and Grandma basically orders her execution. Now. In my head, Missy might be eight or ten years old because King is a Mm. teenager. Right. My understanding of the story. And that's fucking terrifying. And Missy, you know, she gets into a scuffle with grandma, gets away from her, busts a teapot. And oh boy, in in, in this track and in this part of the album, this this is what I would call the climactic area. Oh, yes. Because everybody pissed off. Because now you hear them, they're enraged. You hear them demon voices. She killed Amon. (laughs) You know? Right. Then you have that second musical interlude, uh, you know, guitar solos. They're much better than the first part. And the last part of the song is basically them, you know, just taking her away. And downstairs to be killed. Because they're going to go ahead and follow through with this execution. And uh, overall, it's cool lyrically. But the music, I'm not a huge fan of. Like I said, the second part's better than the first Mm -hmm. part. I won't skip this song. But it's not one of the better tracks. Although, lyrically, the scariest portion of the album.
2: You know what, Bushy? I pretty much echo the way, you you know, it, it... as far as songs go, because to me, I know there's certain tracks, but to me, those are like more dialogue kind of thing, so I don't really count that as a song per se. Right. Um, this is maybe the weakest song on the album, but it's still fucking killer. I mean, that's like saying, um, you know, yeah, uh, this is the worst blowjob I ever got, but it's still a fucking blowjob. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Right. Um, yeah um but as far as like narratively it's fucking awesome i mean like that part where he even does oh no let me be no please no grandma please grandma you're hurting me it's just fucking creepy as fuck and then Hell when she yeah. say uh uh you know the bloody tea all over the full floor and die she broke a man a die you know it's and then, you know, obviously, Kane's upset. At this point, he starts going, okay, what the fuck is going on here, man? It, 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 this isn't funny anymore. It was one thing when it, when it came to mom, but for some reason, well, and, and, and we can go back, we can talk about that within the next song, but yeah, uh, just another killer track. I just feel like I almost keep repeating myself. Kane and the band are in top form. Uh, even with this song, even though I do feel it's the weakest song on the album, and Grandma and her friends have decided Little Missy has got to go
1: for real. And we'll move into, uh the next track, side two. We'll call it track seven, just to keep continuity.
2: Yes.
0: A
1: broken yes. spell. And uh, I think it's your turn. A broken yes, spell. Yes. Uh,
2: I really like the the chaotic way that King's vocals go just right along with the riff. If you know what I mean, like right off yes. the, the bat, and then it, um. And you know at this point Keane's starting to return to his normal self and he's not influenced by them anymore. Right. As much as he was before at least. And I I really love the acoustical interlude that gets all heavy and evil again. Again yes. just just really stellar musicianship throughout this track as well. Uh you know just some of the uh you know the big axe flying and how they kill Missy. It's pretty fucking brutal, man. And by this point Keane's done. He's like, "Oh, I hate that bitch. Fuck grandma." grandma gotta go
0: now you know
2: so it's just a really 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 cool um great great track again i know i know i seem like i'm repeating myself but it is what
1: it is what's your thoughts bush yeah this is definitely one of the greater king diamond albums but king diamond like you said no bad albums that riff and tempo in the opening is amazing because in your mind you can see King stumbling madly as he started to gain control of his you know, of his mind. It is it's great. I stumbled out of Grandma's room and down the right. stairs and out of the house, and the guitar's like, yeah, just it's, chugging right along. Yeah, with it. it's, it's just fucking badass. great. You know, uh, he kind of looks through the windows and the open door, and he's seeing them throwing shit all around the basement. And then he finds that they find the axe, and he sees the axe floating upstairs, and then he just kind of pass out. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up, we find out that Missy has been hacked up and burned in the fireplace. Um we have to assume that's what happened because the axe floating up the stairs. Right. And then Missy and her dress is all that's left in the fireplace. So we know she's been hacked up and burnt. Poor little thing. Um, yeah. And King at this point he finally, you know, he runs to find his grandmother and the song just stops. Yes. Now for me, this song starts so strong, but I hate that stop at mm. the end that irritates me see i don't know i guess i i kind of see what you're saying but
2: for me it's like when i listen to this record i listen to the whole thing it's one of those things Or and i'm from the, we are from that generation where i listen to albums now don't get me wrong man i got my amazon music thing where i have my playlist and and, and i even call it dj metal mike's playlist that i listen to if i'm not listening at metal station or just a whole album, I'll listen to it, and it'll just be songs from all kinds of different stuff, you sure, know, sure. Um, not just heavy metal. Uh, but, but I'm still an album guy, and to me, it works in the sense of him telling the story, if that
1: makes any sense, you know. No, I, I definitely feel what you're saying. I mean, I do. But yeah, I,
2: do. I think I do. I do think you're right, though. Uh, if you're just listening to that song on its own, it is a very abrupt stop. It's like, whoa, okay. It's, it's,
1: it's like George's you know? dad. It stops short. That's my move. Oh, did it. Seinfeld reference.
2: Ah, uh, Three points. Boom. Boom, there you go.
1: God.
2: Yeah, two gold stars and three points for you, man.
1: Fuck yeah, we're just racking them up today. Yes, sir. The accusation chair. Musically, the second part of the song is far superior. And I noticed throughout this album, that tends to be a theme with me. Sometimes the build-up isn't nearly as great as the climax in these songs. And other times the build-up's fucking amazing. Uh, That chunky metal riff—it chugs, man. It it, it just chugs, and those solos are sick. And basically, here's where King enacts his revenge, Um, killing his grandmother, and, and you know, seeing them enraged, he runs into the woods. And the funny thing is, he's got a hold of his mind enough to realize, "You killed my sister. You must die." But he starts going insane as he's running away, laughing hysterically. And it ends on him saying, I hear the voices all the time.
2: Yeah, like they're in there, even though he's rebelling against them.
1: Yeah, it's like he's going more crazy at this point.
2: Right. Yeah, so what do you think of the
1: accusation chair?
2: The accusation chair, um, I really love the riffing on this one. I think uh, Keen's vocals are just extra sick on this track. Uh, and and it's, it's story-wise, like I said, this is a point where King get, he pretty much just ganks Grandma. He's like, fuck this shit. I'm done with you, Grandma. I also like the whole Twilight Zone like, interlude where you hear all the voices de- 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 that Keane yells. Yeah. And then Keane yells, stop it. That goes into that riftastic part with just two killer fucking yes. face-melding guitar solos. Keen's vocals show a ton of versatility on this track. Just lots of highs and lows, which is something that is normal for him, but, I mean, he's just really putting it extra on. I mean, fuck, man. Yeah, killer track, again. Uh, I love letter, you know, to this album, but, uh,
1: yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think of them?
2: Um, I This is what I got. An awesome classical acoustic piece where they are telling Keen. That he cannot ever truly leave them. Not right. a particularly heavy track, but goddamn is it creepy as fuck, man.
1: Yeah, it's emotionally heavy. Yes, yes. Yeah, this to me um, is not necessarily a another sequence in the story. This to me belongs in the accusation chair as an interlude. Mm-hmm. Um, It is a beautiful instrumental piece led by that great acoustic guitar playing, God bless Andy LaRock. It's very fucking eerie. And and that's what you have is the voices of them speaking into his mind. So to me, this is included in the accusation chair. This is because King's running into the woods, freaking out, you know, because he's he's fucking snapped from reality. Right. And, And I guess this is, I mean, maybe it's a sequel. It's letting you know, you know, what them have been saying. But it's an absolute dynamite piece. Oh yeah! Uh, Twilight Symphony. Is that me?
2: I believe so. Yes.
1: Favorite song on the album. Oh my God. The The vocals, especially the chorus. I hear them again singing. Mm -hmm. Twilight.
0: Twilight.
1: Going from the high to the low. The low to the high, the octave jumps. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, and the fucking solo, with the bass and drums doing that little breakdown. Yes. Dude, this song just flat out rules. And this is the part of the story where King's arrested. You know, he ends up, a lot happens in this song. He's arrested, he's put in an asylum, he deals with Dr. Landau for years, which ends up coming in the sequel album, Conspiracy, a lot more. Then you find out he's finally re- uh, released, and what's he do? He's being drawn. He has to return to Amon. What do you think about Twilight Symphony? Oh. um,
2: Just a great, really tr- uh, epically closing track you know and to me every great album has to have that epic closing track this is definitely it my second favorite song off the album um i mean this is just uh and but like you said storyline wise this is the track where king basically gets apprehended by the authorities and is put under the care of dr landau and i put parentheses who becomes a bigger character in the follow-up album conspiracy
1: um
2: like you said the musicianship uh the band's just absolutely killing it you got all the different you know it, it, the song just kind of goes all over the place in certain parts and then king just with that whole twilight like symphony i fucking the, the low and the high i i i fucking love it dude it, Amazing. It, it, this track rules
1: this album rolls. yeah number 11 coming home metal mike
2: uh, again, much like the intro, just but instead a very creepy ending. Uh, Keen is reunited with Granny, Missy, and them. I especially love the line, "I bet you're dying for a cup of tea." I mean, dude, dude, it, it, dude.
1: <laughs> it's but, almost like you
2: know. It, it don't get any better than that, man. It just <laughs> don't, you know.
1: That's funny. It's almost like we just copied each other's notes on this last track.
2: Yeah, it's just. It was the perfect ending. And what's interesting though is I did hear like a bonus track, which they didn't it didn't make the album. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's Keen and the phone rings and he answers it and it's grandma.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, and, yeah. And, and I kind of assume that's while he's in the asylum.
2: Right. And and I and I um I can understand why it didn't make the record because it's almost kind of redundant. Yeah, you got it makes no grandma sense. on the phone saying home. Oh, And then when he comes home, it almost makes me think maybe that was going to be King's original closing track. And then he decided, no, we're going to scrap that and do this. And and I I like it better because for one, much better. And it also, it it, it has that ding, 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 you know, same shit from out from the asylum, you know, just, yeah, fucking a a fantastic album, man. I mean, it's a perfect, in my opinion, this is a perfect album. Perfect. I mean well, I, I there's not you. really much I
1: can could... Oh I was gonna say I got to tell perfect you metal... <laughs> mm-hmm. Shut up <laughs> Oh shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> well no, because before we talk about the album in whole, I wanna talk about this song, Dick. <laughs> oh sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Oh go no, ahead. I'm just i am fucking with you.
2: Uh, but yeah oh, i got one gold star taken away from me. God yeah, damn yeah. it. Okay,
1: go ahead. We're go taking ahead. a star and a half, bitch. <laughs> uh this yeah, is just creepy. Right. The toy piano uh, music coming in at the end of the music box because there's a music box at the beginning, but then you've got King on the fucking toy piano again. He gets home, he opens the door, and his dead grandma's there. She tells King that Missy is sitting on Grandpa's lap, eerie as fuck. You didn't even hear about Grandpa, you know. And them are there, and that whole yeah. I bet you're dying for a good cup of tea, and you hear the door slam and lock. Oh, that's just fucking eerie. And yeah, like you said, a great way to add the record. Now, your thought did all time, out of all the King Diamond records, this is it for you, huh?
2: Yeah, believe it or not, like like I said, man, I mean I love Abigail Fatal Portrait. I, I like I like a lot of the records after that. I love conspiracy. I think conspiracy's a great record. Um you know, Fantastic follow-up to this. And, and a fact that I love the fact that he was continuing the story, which goes to show you how, much, how big of a hit this album had to be with KDE fans, because
1: he did a follow-up, bro. You know, and not only did he um, do a follow-up, it was a continuation of the story and the liner notes that came with the CD. And, yes. And uh, ultimately the record were a fucking comic book. Amazing.
2: Yes, it was great. It was great. Like the, the, the pen and ink work with king going into the tomb to visit his sister's grave and yes. and just the way that opens up i mean fuck i could do an episode on that record you
1: know oh, um at, at the graves is probably top five king diamond song for me
2: oh it's fucking amazing amazing the whole
1: calliope thing going on and you hear that there's somewhere and i never wrote it down in my notes so i can't remember the track but somewhere in this record, you hear that. Yeah. You hear that somewhere, but that, but you hear it crunchy and heavy and guitars. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's it it just works so well as that's the Calliope, the Circus Calliope thing going on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of Conspiracy, uh, both albums well put together. Um, I I highly recommend this album.
2: Yes.
1: You know, especially we like, someone like me. Him. Yeah, oh that. yeah 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 but yeah we you know it's it's hard to talk any shit about this record in particular i know later on we can brutalize some songs but this everything seems to work even when it's not the greatest and that's right. really what just like bye bye missy yeah and but yeah but that's still a
2: killer track you know exactly it's, it's, there's no bad track on this album. There's nothing where I'm like, oh man, that didn't work for me or that sucks. I didn't feel that, you know, even that it's still kind of like, and, and, and like I said, I think with Bye Bye Missy and the way it is constructed, I think it was, it's, it was to serve the story, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, again, I understand it, you know, yeah, like so it's said, not listen- a
1: shit song. We're just saying uh, of all 10 right, or 11 tracks, yeah. it's the weakest of the bunch and that's including two spoken word songs.
2: Right, yeah I mean, it's still a fantastic album still a great album. tune. Oh, hell yeah Like I said, like I my my, my blowjob thing was yeah. I think pretty apt, you know, it's like well, hey, Especially it's
1: so cool. because you can't skip it because it's very important to the story.
2: Yes, yes exactly, and uh, yeah I've, I, like I said, man, I've been a King Diamond fan for a long time, and uh you know it, it it is kind of cool in a way cuz it does seem to me that over the years finally and, and maybe that's part of it like you know being able to get on the internet and 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 and, and communicate with other music lovers and metalheads and, and, and it makes me realize okay Merciful fate and king diamond are a lot more beloved than i i originally thought you know because when you get on some of these facebook groups or or whatever You know, you do see that they are revered and they are appreciated, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, yeah, King Diamond, man, I mean, I'm kind of with Ralph in many ways. I can understand, maybe not record sales wise, but he he says to him, this is his opinion, merciful fate is the greatest traditional heavy metal band of the 80s and you can make a fucking argument for that and then the fact that Keen went on and formed his own band much like Ozzy <laughs> and Dio and and has been very successful and then got
1: back with his old band he still right. recorded material with them I mean the, the way I differentiate Fate and Diamond is Diamond is more about the entire story and Fate seems to be a lot of songs.
2: Yes, yes, they don't really tell us. I mean, they'll tell stories within those songs,
1: right. but they're not.
2: Yeah, they don't do concept albums.
1: Merciful right. Fate, King Diamond. Is, that's that's all he does.
2: The yeah, King but,
1: Diamond band is nothing but concept albums.
2: Right, and it and um, uh, but and that, but that's what's kind of cool about it is it's almost like well, I'm going to make a conscious effort to make this. It's similar to Fate, but it is different. I mean, it's weird because when you listen to Merciful Fate and you listen to King Diamond, there's a lot. of... Like you said, there's a lot. That's one thing I love about it is the music, man. It's it's never,
1: it's never monotonous. No, um, no. When they all their changes, even if he's doing a seven or eight minute song, which is kind of a rarity, but it does happen. There, it goes somewhere, you right? Know what I mean, there's there's lots of musical changes and interludes. There's always something going on. Right. It Doesn't and, sound the and, same and, all and the I'm way sorry through.
2: Sorry to say that I can't say that about every band that does that does longer songs. Like
1: there's somewhere I'm like. Yeah, I think he
2: could have cut a few, you know, I mean, I, it all depends on the band. And it all depends on the album. You know, there's sure. been some artists that have been able to do the longer, like I remember uh, Rob Flynn in an interview, I think on that metal show where, you know, cause there's some pretty long songs off of the blackening and he goes, we tried shortening them and it just sounded like fucking absolute dog shit. It just wow. didn't, you know, because that's the way the songs were written, but I'm like, yeah, but it, those songs, like Halo, it kept my interest. Throughout. Yeah, it might be a longer, like, seven-minute song or whatever, but it kicks ass. And and that's that's my biggest complaint, you know, with Iron Maiden. Now, to be fair, I haven't – I said this in the last episode. I haven't really sat down and listened to Sinjutsu all the way through yet. Um, but I just – I don't yep. know. For me, there's something missing with New Maiden that I, let, I, I can't – can't put my finger you. on it, but that's
1: just me. Right. Well, and, and of course, I'd never be able to change your mind, but just let me interject this, if you don't mind. Uh, this last week, especially, I mean, the week before, you know, podcasts really helped me. Um, this week, this past week at work has been very difficult. I've, you know, cause I'm standing in front of boring ass machines all day. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, so your mind can fucking wander. I had one day where the podcasts and the music didn't work, and I was a little bummed. Didn't even post about it on Facebook, you know. But it is what it is. That's going to take some time for me to work through. Oh, but sure. I listened. I listened to the entire Senjutsu.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: was like, you know what, Fuck it, I'm gonna grab Pandora. I'm gonna grab Spotify, even though I hate these things. But I need something to listen to at work. You know, when I'm not just listening to all these different podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me tell you, after being forced to listen to the entire hour and a half record. It's not bad. Better than Book of Souls, if you ask me. Really?
2: You know, I'll, I'll have to sit down and really listen to
1: it, man. Maybe I'll do that tonight at work while I'm doing my rounds and stuff. It's one uh, of those, if you're forced to, those yeah. long songs are just not as bad as you think. And because you know, Maidens moved more into a progressive metal mm-hmm. as opposed to a heavy metal thing, um, it's not so, I mean, Nico still pounds those skins, but it's not pounding you the way, say, Number of the Beast would. Right, and you here's know? the so thing: you can I want to concentrate. Like, when, if you're doing a med pass, you got an earbud in. You're not going to fuck up charting. Or you're not going to fuck up a pill because this is playing right. because it works. It's very soothing, even though it could be heavy. The mm-hmm. production is done w- well enough where you don't realize you're listening to a heavy song. I actually do better than fucking Book of Souls, and I'm not a huge Book of Souls fan anyway.
2: Right? Yeah. Um, well, look, man, and I want to clarify something. Um, I don't hate book of souls i don't hate a lot that's too strong a word it's not like i go oh well this and i think i said that last week oh this just fucking sucks no it doesn't suck it's just like but it doesn't grab me either and that's the thing about maiden back in the day and i'm and and i don't want to hear about the long, you know because come on ryan the ancient mariner there's a few other older maiden songs that were fucking long or albums that had long songs but they grabbed me by the balls man but you
1: know what's funny have you ever gone oh. back and really listened to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner? It goes it, nowhere. Uh, you know. You've got that whole middle part. You could have shortened that by like three minutes.
2: Yeah, maybe. Again, I'll have to revisit it. And again. I
1: love this song, but listen to it and listen to it instead of subjectively because we're pathetically subjective. Ha <laughs>
2: ha Yes, we are.
1: Listen to it objectively. You know
2: what? We need to get shirts that say that. Pathetically subjective and proud of it.
1: Yeah, the Plug Podcast. Pathetically subjective. Fuck yeah. (laughs)
2: I'm
1: I'm changing the name of the show. No longer will it be called Music and More. It'll be the Plug Podcast. Pathetically Pathetically subjective. (laughs) subjective. (laughs) You know what the sad part is? We probably get more (laughs) listens. Probably. Probably, man. They'd be like, holy shit, man. Overall, great album. Uh, one of King's best. I will not lie. It's up there. Uh, it's actually my second favorite King Diamond record. Uh, the Graveyard is my all-time favorite.
2: That's um, a great one, man. That's I can't argue with you. You know that's what I'm saying. Like if somebody wants to go, well, I think Fatal Portrait's his best or Abigail. For fuck's sake, hey, I can't argue
1: with you. Uh, can't argue I Can't argue any
2: go, of them. You know, <laughs> Abigail. Abigail literally gave me nightmares. Well, I think Abigail. I would say by most King diamond fans is acknowledged as his, his greatest or that his band's greatest work. It seems sure. to be the case, you know, like most people always point and don't get me wrong. It's a great fucking record, man. Yeah. yeah, and It's awesome. But I felt like with this one, he just took it to even another level. And I, I mean, maybe that's why I love the album so much. Cause I didn't think that was possible. Bush.
1: Right. See so you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, see, I had to go backwards. I mean, Abigail has has, has left an indelible mark on me because. Oh, like it's I a said, creepy fucking record. Gave dude. me nightmares. That is a creepy, but creepy. This would forever hold a special place in my part in my heart. Like I said, it's the first one I ever. Another heard. thing
2: you and I have in common, my friend. Nice. nice. This was the first King Diamond album I bought with my own money. Before Sweet. that. Uh, a lot of my King diamond, it was my brother, you know, he bought it and fuck, I just listened to his music or he would copy, he would, you know, he would dub shit for me, you know, so I nice. didn't have to buy, but this one, I was like, Oh, I like this. And I went out and bought it. So there you go.
1: Well, i tell you what, Metal Mike, I, uh, I hope you enjoy what I have done. And I'm saying this in the past tense as if you've already heard this, uh, cause I've put together a bit of a new intro for our show while still using your brother's intro. So I hope you enjoy all that. When you go back and listen back. It's probably going to take me a day or so to edit. Because later on this evening. I have to sit down with the Metal Dungeon Podcast. To talk about wrestling for a couple, three hours. Oh, cool. Uh, so I will not be uh, editing this tonight. But I do have to know, brother. Um, what, what's your plug of the week? I'm, I'm done saying anything to promote. Because we're the plug. Plug it, baby. Ooh.
2: Um... You know what? That's a good. Uh, that's a good. Uh, a good thing. You know what? I know what I'm gonna plug. I know what I am gonna plug. Well, Let's plug. see here. Uh, well, I mentioned them last week, and I kind of made a faux pas. I referred to John Tardy, the vocalist, as Donald Tardy. Donald, Tardy, they're brothers. This is obituary I'm talking about, and Donald is the drummer. A phenomenal drummer, big part of obituary sound. Um, it's the singer though, uh, John, that I was talking about where I'm like, yeah, one of the things I love about him is that you can understand what the fuck he's singing about and what he's saying, which has always been one of my biggest gripes with a lot of death metal bands, you know. But with obituary, it's not a pretty voice. It is a, it is a fucking you know, rough sounding voice. But the album I'm going to uh, plug in so many uh, ways is their self-titled album that came out in 2017, just simply Obituary. Um, check that record out. Just fucking killer, killer record. Another one I would recommend. Of course, we always got Slowly we Rot" and Cause of Death, but the um, and The Incomplete. The Incomplete is kind of considered by many people. Um, Obituary's Grace album, but my favorite album of theirs is actually 1994's World Demise. That record is fucking sick, man. Uh, nice. It's got the cover with the fucking factory with all the pollution coming out of it. Fucking badass. Check them out, man. Check out some Obituary, and I apologize for my faux pas, man.
1: Oh, you're okay. We, I haven't gotten any hateful letters, <laughs> My plug of the week this week, I'm staying on the King Diamond tip, man. It's the second album I ever heard by King Diamond, The Eye. Now, what intrigues me about this record is King Diamond did an awful lot of research of what was going on in the French Inquisition. And uh, I actually read this article in, I believe, Metal Edge magazine in 1990, where he was researching all these characters in this album are based on people that existed during the French Inquisition. Uh, And, dude, you talk about pure evil because it deals with the church and burning people at the stake and putting them through the trials and, you know, raping nuns and nailing infants to crosses. Some really evil shit did happen during the uh, French Inquisition. And King plays it to a T. It's an amazing album. Check out 1990 King Diamond, The Eye.
2: Right on, dude. Killer record. Killer record. Great choice.
1: Fuck yeah. I do want to give a quick programming note. I return to the air. That's right. Bushy is coming back to that metal station. Uh, This Saturday morning coming. That's Saturday, October 30th. uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sarah will be on this coming Wednesday. Um, The Big Bushy Power Hour is the biggest party on the internet. And it's only on thatmetalstation.com. So if you like what we're doing here. Come and hang out with Bushy this coming Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And you might hear Debbie Gibson. Good Lord. You might hear, you, you might hear Slayer. You might hear New Kids on the Block.
2: And then you don't know died. what.
1: Yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're going to hear on Bushy show.
2: <laughs> uh, I was going to say, though, uh, I, I, I'll try my best to tune in. I won't be able to go in the chat, though, because I'm going to be driving all the way to Cincinnati, Ohio to see black label society with obituary and prom. Nice. so me and my buddy big b we're making a road trip should be a lot of fun i will not be doing the metal Mike show this friday but it looks like bildo and kane will be filling in for me i haven't made that uh clear to the guys at tms but i don't think they'll have a problem i mean bill's my co-host and Kane's such a frequent guest and used to do a show for the, the station. Um,
0: right. In fact, he's
2: actually thinking about maybe coming back to TMS and, and, and uh, bringing the uh, Crusader of Metal show back. So, uh, fuck
1: yeah, we- put him on at one o'clock Saturday afternoons, and at twelve fifty-five p.m., Bushy will pick Rush twenty-one twelve, even though he hates the song, but he'll fucking get some payback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you, Kane. I love you, brother.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, uh, Who is? uh, So you're coming back on Saturday. Is there going to be anybody following you?
1: I I don't know. I'm taking Sarah's 10 to 1 as Sarah is going back to her original schedule. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. She'll bring the very best in the underground just for you. Well, there is kind of a three-hour. My voice is sexier than her. 10
2: a.m. Yeah, because she's what 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. There's a two-hour window there.
1: Before maybe what evil? No, evil comes on at four. Yeah, he comes on. I believe, on at I believe four. it's four. So it would be three hours, right? 1
2: p.m. to 4 p.m. Nice. That's a three-hour slot he could fill. Yeah, maybe
1: we'll yeah. we'll look into that. You know. Oh yeah. Then then I have to buy that shitty fucking Rush album. <laughs> You know what, I'll just send you that track, Bush. But it's the whole side of the record. So? <laughs> this is this song is called 2112. What we mean to say is there's part A, B, C, D, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. oh. Bushy comes on at 9, I'm going to play this at 8.55. Y'all have a great day, here's Rush 2112. I couldn't believe
2: Fuck he did you. that. I was like, Shane, <laughs> oh I forgot somebody was coming on behind me. I'm like, how do
1: you forget that shit? Goddamn, yeah, I, was, boy. I was I was really good. I, I didn't miss shows when I was doing this uh, nine to midnight slot. No, no, you didn't man. Uh,
2: but anyway, man, this has been an absolute blast, Bush. Great idea. A great pick for an album and it fits perfectly with the theme of Halloween. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, I, I want to wish everybody. everybody a
2: happy Halloween. There is one thing I did when we're talking about Halloween moon mem- memories. I didn't mention, I'm going to just throw it out there real quick. Um, See, I'm young enough to wear, or old enough, I should say. I'm old enough, but at the time, I, I I knew who Kiss was. I appreciate Kiss. Wasn't it old enough to go to the shows? But I remember the the uh, Paul Lynn Halloween special that had Kiss nice. on it. And, and and just being so excited because it was the first time I actually got to see Kiss. That wasn't just
1: pictures or just little bitty
2: film clips. It was Kiss, right. man. That's badass. That it was has. fucking awesome.
1: My, my experience like that, um, I, I was too little for the Paul Lynch show. My parents right. have watched it. I saw that on extreme close up. My kiss experience live on television was much after the heyday, but they had put the makeup back on and did the whole Halloween special on Mad TV. That was a
2: riot. That was yeah. funny. They, they did it. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah that, that was That's what good. was
2: kind of cool about 1996. It was just like, oh, fuck, Kiss Mania all over again. I mean, they were fucking everywhere, you know, and it it was cool while it lasted.
1: For real. I really want to uh, terrorize the locals uh, this coming Sunday night because my dad always made a joke, and I'm, I got to keep paying tribute to my dad. He used to make this joke every year because... My ex-stepmother was such a holy roller that he wanted to get a bottle of a chunky ragu spaghetti sauce, dump it all over his head, and slap a coat hanger on top of his head and go around as a back-alley abortion. I really want to do a this year tribute to my <laughs> father. Let me tell you what. <laughs>
2: wow, that is I extreme. would. That is an extreme Halloween costume, man. Your oh, dad didn't did. fuck around, did
1: no, he? No, he made that joke for fucking years. And it would piss her off. Some other shit he did, I, I would be happy to tell you off Mike that pissed her off just as bad. But that's because a lot of things, I love my dad, but he wasn't right on some things.
2: <laughs>
1: Those I'll tell you off, Mike, because I don't need people hating on me. Right on. Right metal on. Mike, final thoughts.
2: Um, you know what, man? Just keep fighting the good fight and stay metal, motherfuckers. We'll see you next time. And make yeah. sure you check out all the amazing shows on ThatMetalStation.com.
1: Yeah, just show up at 10 a.m. on Saturdays. Don't worry about anything else. Hey, whoa,
2: whoa, <laughs> whoa, dude. I'm pushing a fucking brand. What's wrong with you, you selfish uh,
1: fucking prick? Fucking narcissist fuck? My
2: ego is bigger than your brand. <laughs> yeah, apparently, you know. Fuck.
1: Uh, of course I'm kidding. You know what, guys, know. just work hard, be kind, motherfuckers, buy vinyl. We'll see you next time. Hey,
0: this was really fun. We hope you liked it, too. Seems like we've just begun when, when suddenly, suddenly we're, we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Because now it's, it's time, time to go. go. But hey, I say, well, that's okay. Cause we'll see
1: you very soon, I know Very soon, I know What the fuck is this shit? This is how we say goodbye on the plug See you next week!